0: you know if if humanity's gone what is the point of this exploration but if you're an intelligent being exploration exists for its own sake it's just curiosity
1: So I'm sitting here with Dennis E. Taylor, who's written the amazing Bobiverse series, among others, and we're going to jump into that world. So thanks very much for joining me, Dennis. Uh, pleased to be here. So let's get into the world. What's the first thing that strikes you? The first book really starts with, like, our world, and then we quickly jump into the future.
0: Well, the first thing I have to I have to note is that the Bobiverse um, was very much a, um, a, a pantser Uh effort. I developed it as I went. I only had a very basic idea of where I wanted to go in the beginning, and I wasn't thinking in terms of culture or society at all. Uh, It was just a guy who was going to find himself as a computer heading off into space.
1: Yeah, tell me the context. What happens, actually? He wakes up, like after he wakes up, what happens there? What's the world like?
0: Well, he wakes up in a theocracy. The United States has been taken over uh, by a theocratic party, um, it's a one-party system. Um, I never do say whether they have one-party elections or not. I don't think it really matters. Um, the, the results are foregone. Um, but uh, essentially, it's, uh, it's a dictatorship, and um, they are, for political reasons of their own, um, sending out or wanting to send out uh, von Neumann probes into space and discover new worlds.
1: And what's the von Neumann probe for people who are not following like normal science fiction lingo?
0: Uh, A von Neumann probe is a concept thought up by a guy named von Neumann, strangely. And what it is is a uh, self-directed spaceship or space probe that uh, flies through the galaxy uh, and makes copies of itself as it... uh, Enter solar systems uh, from uh, locally pr- uh, produced raw materials. Uh, basically, the idea is you send out one von Neumann probe, it turns itself into two, those two turn themselves into four, and so on. And before long, uh, powers of two have von Neumann probes all through the galaxy.
1: And one of the premises of the book here is that to build a von Neumann probe, you can't do that with a quote-unquote artificial, like synthetic artificial intelligence. You actually upload a human's mind. Why is it so? Uh,
0: well, <laughs> that was a plot device, essentially. Um, the idea is that with a von Neumann probe is that it has to be self-directed. Um, it has to be able to allow for unexpected occurrences. It has to be able to, in a way, uh, think originally um, and uh, problem-solve, you know, handle unexpected circumstances and so forth. Um the state of AI right now in real life is such that I think we're a long way from being able to produce an artificial intelligence that can handle that. Um, on the other hand, we are talking about uploading human brains, although I'm, I'm not sure how much closer they are on that. So a, a pragmatic theocracy Or a a pragmatic company might take the attitude, well, what's the fastest way to get to where we want to be, uploading a brain or continue trying to write an AI? I just took the attitude that uh, this particular company uh, went the uploading route and, as it happens, uh, beat the other guys.
1: The main character then, Bob, being kind of, quote unquote, trapped, like in a way trapped, I mean... I don't know. Maybe maybe the wrong. That's the wrong word. Because in a sense, he has these completely unnatural new powers. He's a spaceship.
0: Yeah, he's um, he's an odd. He's in an odd circumstance. On the one hand, he has no rights. He has no choice. I mean, his choice is to either go along with things or be turned off. It's not much of a choice. Uh, so he decides to go along with it. And because he is the type of person he is, uh, computer programmer, engineer, uh, physics background. He's able to make the most of his circumstances. He understands them. He adapts to them, because he's a loner. He's not so freaked out by them as perhaps some people would be, and so on. And he ends up being, by nature of his personality, uh, more successful than they expected.
1: And it's interesting because, like, he goes off into, as you said, uh, like recursive re- replicating himself and creating clones himself a- after a bit into the book. But there's also like he creates like a virtual reality world on top of this. And we kind of find this situation where he essentially is the carrier of the humanity going forward, but he's also on the side doing like research and exploration. Tell me a bit about what drives this future we're in right now because humanity is now suddenly becoming very dependent on him or or I guess it's still a, a he
0: he or them um yeah Bob again because of his personality he's a he's a very um <clears throat> driven goal goal oriented person uh he does research just because he can i understand that i um, i was a computer programmer for years uh as a profession but i also program at home because i can i just enjoy doing it uh, bob's the same way he enjoys doing research he programmed up the vr because he could and because he thought it would be a good way to handle his isolation um That he became the uh, sole hope for humanity was one of those uh, just how things worked out circumstances. Um, That, as a matter of fact, is another thing that I didn't originally have in mind when I started writing. It just worked out that way.
1: But it's also interesting because when the book starts, I think we're in a much more current state of affairs, which is machines. Like, We are masters and machines are slaves. And as the book progresses... The slave, quote unquote, now Bob being sentient. So suddenly it's not a toaster that's our slave, it's not a computer our slave, it's suddenly a sentient being, which is Bob. It's mind uploaded in this thing. And then the story flips, and suddenly he is the master, and the rest of humanity is his slave. Like, what are your thoughts about our relationships to machines currently and in the future?
0: Well, this the situation with Bob is um, essentially it's a version of the singularity that they're always talking about. And it's exactly the type of thing that a lot of people fear. Um, You end up with a machine that has human or superhuman intelligence, uh, motivations of its own that, you know, may not jibe with uh, humanity's motivations. What do you do? Uh, Do you destroy it? Do you um, help it live? Do you, you know, throw it into the air? If it comes, set it free, if it comes back, it's yours kind of thing. Bob is the singularity in, in a very real way, and because he has his own intelligence, his, his own motivations, his own goals, plus he has all the advantages of being a machine—you uh, know, the ability to replicate immortality, uh, total freedom to uh, to go find his own resources, no dependency on anybody else—and I think that's the The central issue that uh, that defines the Bobaverse is that each and every Bob is totally independent they don't have to depend on anybody for anything they can go find their own resources they can build their own copies they can head off in whatever direction they want you can't coerce them you can't blackmail them you can't bribe them
1: Bob is living the ultra libertarian dream it feels like he's, like, the first explorers of, of a new continent, like, as you said, and and also because, I mean, the first explorers of the continents on, at least on, on planet Earth, they've had the problem of starvation and diseases and things, but Bob is a, like, he's a synthetic person, he doesn't get sick, he mines asteroids for materials to build whatever he wants. So it's kind of almost like an extreme world of no scarcity.
0: It is a it is a post-scarcity civilization, to the extent that it is a civilization at all. One of the things about the bobs is because they have no dependencies, it's literally like a herd of cats. If you have a bunch of cats living in a given area, especially feral cats, they recognize each other, they interact, but there's no society. There's no dependency. There's uh, there's hierarchies. Uh, there's conflict. But each cat is a nation unto itself. The bobs are very much the same way. They interact if and when they want to, and uh, if they don't feel like it, like Mario, they just head off.
1: If you look at this this world that you've created, they're essentially only. There's a couple of human fractions that are fighting. There are a couple of different like you know, parts of the globe that still are alive and have their different opinions. And then you have the bobs, like massive amounts of bobs, and you're saying that's like a, kind of a herd of cats. And then you have a couple of other sentient artificial intelligences or mind uploads. But essentially those are the characters, and it feels like very quickly the fractions, there are only two fractions in the world, humans and there's the bobs. And there's some disagreement between the bobs, and there's some disagreement between the humans, but essentially it's a two-agent world.
0: Uh, At least initially, yeah. Yeah, it, it gets complicated again pretty fast, of course. The question of we're
1: alone is a very interesting question. And I think that's, of course, what drives attention. Do you think this is the way space exploration is going to happen? Space is a very vast place, and sending off humans that that are going to die in a couple of hundred years, even if we're figuring out longevity, it's going to be a pretty bad idea. Do you think for probes is the way we're going to explore space?
0: I think inevitably it's going to be. As the situation I alluded to earlier with brain uploading versus AI, people are going to pursue multiple avenues of exploration. They're going to pursue multiple strategies. Some people will continue to send out human beings Uh, some people will try to send out uh, von Neumann probes, some people will send out probes that aren't able to be von Neumann yet, you know, probes that basically just uh, beam what they find back to Earth. All of these things, I think, will go on simultaneously, and which one ends up succeeding depends on what technologies get discovered over the next century or so. And, of course, we can't predict that if... uh, cryogenics gets discovered really soon then humans will be going out if artificial intelligence gets discovered really soon then von neumann probes
1: yeah it's also a question of course what success is because i think that reading the books i was really thinking about you know kind of what the goal like there's one goal which is to not to not have civilization humanity humanity sorry to die that's like definitely a goal in the in the books and it feels like humanity goal but it also feels like if you would live in a post-scarcity world, I almost feel that people might get depressed because there's no tension in the world anymore. What drives the bobs forward? Like, why would you have space exploration? It's almost like, you know, if a tree falls in the forest and nobody's there, would it? Would you hear it? It's like, if you have Neumann probes doing exploration, there are no humanity still. Would it still be meaningful?
0: Well, yeah, the bobs do actually discuss that briefly in Epsilon Eridani, uh, or Eridani. Um where they're saying uh, to each other, you know, if if humanity's gone, what is the point of this exploration? But if you're an intelligent being, exploration exists for its own sake. It's just curiosity. The Bobs being what they are, even if they had found humanity humanity to be wiped out, uh, would have continued to explore. And... um, you know, if you think of what Bob One ended up doing, uh, attaching himself to the Deltons, well, you know that's that, that's an option, right? You find yourself a new emotional attachment and you go with that. Bob One
1: finds a kind of a primitive tribe, tribe, sorry, on a, on a planet, the Deltons, and follows that civilization and actually meddles quite a lot with that civilization. Can you tell me about that?
0: Uh well, I, I think you summed it up pretty well. He meddles a lot. Um, the Bobs aren't great fans of the Prime Directive. Um, they consider it to be a, a plot device and not a particularly good one. Uh, so they're all for meddling, um, although ethical meddling. I mean, they're not going to, um, you know, be like uh, Greek gods who, who were, if you remember, the Greek gods were, were uh, uh, less moral than the humans that they lorded it over. Um but Bob, uh, everything Bob does was in service of trying to help the Deltons, trying to keep them alive, trying to advance them, uh, trying to improve their existence. Um, things blew up in his face a lot, but that's the way things happen in novels.
1: Yeah, exactly. But it's interesting also to also think about, as you said, the Prime Directive being from from Star Trek, that you shouldn't kind of interact with other alien species. Like right now, we're having on planet earth like 2019 we're actually having kind of a this discussion of prime directive of the ethics of colonizing mars using especially the word colonization i mean what if there is life on mars and um, i mean we know it's not going to be very sentient but there might be whatever space bacteria is it okay like what's your opinion about the prime directive do you think that like we should quote unquote colonize the space space, or should we be much more of an anthropologist and archaeologist and like be very sensitive when we we explore
0: well the thing with mars let's stick to mars in particular um you've got attitudes all the way from uh the uber colonists who say you know uh screw it i don't care what's there um you know we're the biggest baddest sons of bitches in the in the galaxy so let's go in and just take over and at the other end you've got people who say no we shouldn't even go there just in case there's a possibility that we might kill a bacteria or two or even kill the record of there having been bacteria even if they're gone between those extremes of course you've got all the people who say well you know if we find life then we should back off if we find uh a record of life in the past we should back off and so forth um The only thing you can say for sure is that there are almost as many opinions on that spectrum as there are people. Um, My personal feeling is that the big difference is whether there's life there right now or not. If there's life right now, then we have to be very, 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 very careful. If it's just life in the past, then it's an archaeology situation. We go in, we try to learn from it. We try to tread carefully, but it's essentially an unclaimed planet. That's the way I look at it.
1: What's your view on space and and like colonizing other planets in general?
0: Um, I think this is an all-our-eggs-in-one-basket situation. Um, We are probably going to suffer a severe dieback on Earth at some point. If not the current uh, global warming situation, then it'll be something else. Somebody will uh, invent a doomsday virus, or there will be a, a another uh, Yucatan meteor impact, or something. Uh, the sooner humanity can get some of its eggs out of this particular basket, the better. I'll like it.
1: Yeah, so it's like the argument for space colonization is essentially a backup plan. Yep. Yeah. Multiple. Yeah, plans. of course, of course. But that's like that, then it wouldn't help if we created a Feynman probe and sent it out, because then there's not going to be a DNA in life. Or would you say that you would be okay with sending out a probe with life that maybe that, that probe could replicate life on someone else? Or do you want to send out people to get them to different planets?
0: All right. We have to, we have to differentiate between interplanetary and interstellar uh, goals. Um, interplanetary is obviously, you know, intrasolar system is, is obviously the first step. We get ourselves onto the moon, we get ourselves onto Mars, we get ourselves into uh, orbiting megastructures. A lot of people argue that we should uh, forget about planetary existence entirely and just build O'Neill cylinders or um, uh, bishop rings or or whatever else and, and live in those. There's an argument to be made for that, but one way or the other, we have to get off Earth. Getting into another solar system is the next step, and that's a very large step. Um, I don't think we'd be able to seriously consider it without some huge leap in technology.
1: No, no, I mean, that's true, of course. I mean, there's, like, as you said, it depends on anything from AI to synthetic biology to kind of anything that how we would do that. Even getting to Mars feels like it's not going to be a picnic. No, that's true. And is there anything in the Bobby Works books that you find very appealing?
0: Bob, as von Neumann probe, is a little bit of a Gary Sue character for me. Um, I think a lot like he does. And I think if I found myself as a computer program driving a spaceship, I'd be quite happy with the situation.
1: What what would you like about it?
0: Uh, The independence. There's a story in uh, Bob tells a story. In the book, at one point, uh, about, um, oh, what was that Tom Hanks movie? Um, Castaway. Castaway. Yeah. Where he says that, uh, you know, he was thinking of it as a fantasy and his girlfriend was thinking of it as a nightmare. Now that actually comes from my life, but it was my wife, not my girlfriend, um, who said it uh blind basically said that yeah castaway was was like a horror movie to her and i replied well that's interesting because i thought of it as as a bit of a of a fantasy (laughs) yeah interesting yeah so and this is the thing some people are loners some people are social butterflies they're gregarious uh they love going to parties you know the more people the better uh, they'll stay up all night, stuff like that. Then there are those of us who just want to read a book, watch TV, play Civilization, something like that. And I'm a ma- I'm a member of the latter group.
1: I love Civilization. Are you playing a lot of Civilization Six?
0: Uh, not six. I, um, I I have a lot of trouble with the whole Steam distributorship. Uh, it wants me to lower my firewall standards in order to be able to work, and I refuse to do that. So I'm stuck at the earlier civilizations where you don't have to uh, go online to download it and so forth. Uh, I play actually uh, Civilization Three, play the world.
1: This planet that we're in right now, this society we're in right now, it doesn't really appreciate introverts. It's in a society where you're supposed to be ultra social, and not only you're supposed, but like your career actually improves quite a lot if you're, you know, going on everything from book tours to kind of. Uh, you know, job fairs. What's your view about that? And like, how do you think that that's like? Bobbyverse is definitely a world not only of abundance but also of kind of designed loneliness.
0: One of the uh, attitudes that that I find particularly grating uh, by people who are outgoing is uh, a desire to fix those of us who are introverts. Uh, oh, I got to get you out of your shell. Oh, I'm going to take you to this and and you know shove you into a social situation and and, uh, that'll help break you out of this introversion. Well, I don't want to be broken out of this introversion. I I don't want to overstate this. It's not like I'm a a total hermit, but I just don't enjoy parties the way some people might, let's say. Um, I like small gatherings of people of like mind. Uh, I like discussions i like you know friday nights over at somebody's house but uh that's as far as it goes
1: yeah i I was just gonna say i think it's interesting because i totally agree with you i think that extroverts tend to see introverts as that they're sad and want to help them to not be sad where it's like they don't like not understanding that people get energy from different situations
0: yeah and and the energy comment is a very good one um some people extroverts get energy from uh social situations Some of the rest of us find them draining, and uh, we have to get out to get our energy back. And it may have something to do with a level of anxiety. Why do you think so? Well, it's like like adrenaline junkies. Um, Some people will climb cliffs uh, in order to uh, get their fix, their adrenaline fix. Uh, Some people will find that uh, horrifying uh, because their body doesn't react to adrenaline the same way, essentially. Uh, Some people seek out adrenaline situations, some people avoid adrenaline situations. Those of us who would avoid adrenaline situations probably tend to be more anxious and therefore tend to be introverts. Uh,
1: Do you feel that there are values and morals in, that, in the Bobiverse books that you see that are higher and kind of more developed than what we currently have?
0: The Bobiverse itself, uh, when I think of the Bobiverse, I'm thinking more of the uh, VR level society as opposed to the uh, physical side of things. Um, the Bobiverse right now, as of the end of book three is quite uniform uh, because essentially it's got one inhabitant, Bob and Bob-like beings. Uh, it's very easy to have a uniform, um, peaceful, agreeable society when everybody thinks the same. Uh, in books four and five, which I'm currently working on, the verse is a little more acrimonious. And uh, we'll start to see cracks in the Bobaverse society. Why so? Um Replication drift. It's it's mentioned in book three. Uh, it continues to get worse as Bob's become later and later generation. They become more diverse.
1: Do you see, do you see this as analogous with like you know families becoming clans, clans becoming tribes, tribes becoming nations, nations becoming multination, and then suddenly have you have wars?
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, a a, um, a tribe splits because it gets too big. Uh, forms two tribes it takes one generation for them to identify themselves as being different from those other guys.
1: Yeah that's true. And if you look at the the people in the Bobbyverse books, the people here then being a first of Bobs, do you feel that they have do you feel that they have sacrificed anything in view in your view? Do you perceive that they're they like are they irrational on occasions or are they like mul- like super rational entities?
0: The Bobs like to think of themselves as hyper-rational entities. Uh, One of the ways I've tried to play Bob is um, as slightly self-unaware. He thinks of himself as a very rational person. He thinks of himself as a very mature person. He thinks of himself as very introspective, but he misses things. Uh, He has some illusions about himself. He has some blind spots. And I think we all do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Do you feel that the Bobs here, have they created issues for themselves, or are they trying to always live the easiest life?
0: The Bobs have created an issue. uh, I wouldn't say they've created uh, an issue. They've allowed an issue to come into being through inaction in that they don't have any kind of a system of government. They are a bunch of individuals. They are very libertarian uh, to the extreme, uh, to the point where if one Bob decided to go off and do something really dumb, uh, they don't really have any, uh, any way to do anything about it.
1: And Do you think this is a reflection also about issues if we would be able to create an ultra-libertarian world? Do you think these things would be reflected?
0: Well, it's, it's an absolute uh, potential problem um, no matter even in a part, even in a post scarcity uh civilization, no matter how post scarcity you wanted to make it uh you still have a situation where people are people, and not everybody thinks the same and sadly uh people who want power for instance will continue to want power even if they have all the food they want and all the toys they want and can go wherever they want and ha- and live in this nice a house they want. If those things don't fill their need, which is for power over others, then they're going to find a way to do that anyway. And uh, then you have a situation like in the old Neil Smith uh, books where you have a libertarian society trying to deal with how to deal with, uh, a potential invasion from a non-libertarian society do we organize to uh to fight them off and if we organize do we stop becoming libertarian in the process
1: yeah it's a, and it's a very interesting question actually what the issues are do you feel that in this world that you've created i mean it's a post-scarcity world but there are definitely things that are valuable um, what is value? What is scarce? Is there a quote-unquote economy in this world at all?
0: In the Bobiverse, the biggest scarcity is time. Uh, each Bob wants to do a certain number of things. They have their to-do list. They want to accomplish these things. There aren't enough hours in the day. There aren't enough days in the week. Um, there aren't enough printers available to get everything made at once.
1: No, but it's interesting because at the same time I thought about that when I read the books, I think it's fascinating because one of the things I always think about when I look at our rob- robot lawnmower is that it has no conception of time. It doesn't care, like if it takes 30 minutes or 4 hours to mow the lawn. But somehow, bobs care a lot about time. Why is that so?
0: Well, the the robot uh, lawnmower only has one goal, to mow lawn. And it doesn't even really have the goal of finishing mowing the lawn. It just mows the lawn as long as it's chugging along, mowing the lawn. it's quite happy it's accomplished everything it wants to do there's there's still more lawn ahead of it to be mowed. Life is wonderful
1: it's a very epicurean lawn mower we have actually yeah, it, yeah. and you see, like the problem you mean it means like the bobs are not. They're sort of utilitarian
0: and are driven towards a goal. And why are they so? Uh, that's just a personality thing. Um, if you're the type of person who loves puzzles and loves solving things, um, loves programming computers, loves uh, doing crossword puzzles, you know, goal-oriented uh, and with a lot of imagination to imagine many more goals to be accomplished. there. are it's like having a to-do list that never ends. I've got a to-do list that never ends.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think that it's like it could be a to-do list or it could be a wish list. But is it like what you're what you're saying essentially in the Bobaverse, the Bobs are wishing, or are they wishing the equivalent of humans not needing to sleep?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, as long as we have uh, a to-do list or equivalent, uh, excuse me, that is longer than we can keep up with, we always have more to do than there is time available to do it. Um, as long as that situation continues, we're always going to be wishing for more time. The bobs have the advantage, of course, that they're immortal. Uh, you and I have a limited amount of time to get everything done that we want to get done. The bobs don't. Um, they, you know, they can get it done in a thousand years, but uh, you know, they still have impatience. Maybe maybe a superintelligence, an AI, wouldn't have impatience uh, because it wouldn't have evolved with the idea of a limited time frame. But the Bobs, as humans or ex-humans, uh, they still have impatience. They still have that feeling of impending doom. Yeah,
1: it's interesting because that's the impatience also that drives the Bobs to do things. And it's interesting because I think that when I think about it's, thinking about the difference on the, on the spectrum between to-do lists and wish lists, I think that it feels that most humans alive today, the only people who would have enough time would be the complacent. Because either you would have actually have to do things to actually make a living um, or figure out, you know, getting kids to school or, or duties or others. Or let's, if you're completely free of duties and, 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 and affluent or something, then you would suddenly have a massive wish list. Like, all these great books, all these great plays, all these great Netflix movies, all these great music, all these people to meet, all these parties. So I guess that we all need more time. what's your view on that?
0: I think you just described my life. Um I was uh I was a nine to five worker up until uh June of twenty seventeen. I worked uh you know, five days a week, eight hours a day as a computer programmer. Um and I was writing the books on the side. The uh, the new career, if you want to put it that way, allowed me to retire a lot earlier than I expected to. So now I'm a, I'm a full-time writer to the extent that I'm a full-time anything. Uh, I now have 40 hours a week more available to me, uh, plus commute time, because I don't have to commute, uh, than I did before. So you'd think that I'd have a lot of free time, right? I don't. I just have more things that I want to try and get done. Both my wife and I have discovered that somehow, despite not having day jobs anymore, we're still really busy. I'm not complaining. I I certainly have a much better life now than I did two years ago, but it isn't any less busy. I still don't know what it's like to be bored.
1: (laughs) That's probably a good thing. Do you feel that looking at the Bobiverse books and the, and the better world you created better world in many extents. I mean, they're definitely looming threats, but it feels like a better world in some extents. Do you feel that like we could read those books and realize that things we could do to us ourselves, ourselves today, what would be the easiest take for people to live in a better world living through the Bobbyverse lens?
0: Wow. Um, I think the, the, the biggest takeaway is that cooperation works better than, than, uh, I don't want to use the word competition because there's good competition and there's bad competition, but, uh, cooperation versus non-cooperation, if you want to, if you want to put it that way, um, we can always get more done working together towards a common goal than, um, fighting each other and, uh, and, and and trying to wreck other people's goals.
1: Yeah, that sounds like a very good takeaway. Sadly, we're not always as good as that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why people like uh, Elon Musk, um, I find them uh, very uh, inspiring. Uh, he doesn't, you know, I mean, he's a billionaire. He doesn't have to spend his billions trying to get into space, but that's what he's trying to do. He doesn't have to spend his billions trying to create electric cars, but that's what he's trying to do. Uh, it's uh, he's trying, you know. He's not just going with the flow.